Chapter 3 of The Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins. The Square Table. At our meeting next day, the boys could talk about nothing but the stolen canoes and skiffs. Our whole outfit had passed out of sight disappeared, and of course we imagined that they had been stolen. Our captain, Dick Ferris, came in to talk to me about it before the meeting began, but I told him there was only one thing to do, divide the bunch into scouting parties and send them up and down the river to see whether or not we could find a trace of the missing craft. So at the meeting, just as soon as the dues had been paid, Dick appointed groups of two boys each to do scout duty. There were five groups, and Chateau Loomis was appointed with Herb Acom, leaving me out because I wasn't supposed to do such work, being secretary and having my hands full writing all these things down, believe me. Now, all of the scouts had gone out except Shadow and Herb. Shadow stayed to say a few words to me after the others had gone, and Herb hung around, waiting until Shadow was ready. What would you advise us to do, Sec? asked Shadow, when we three were alone. "'I don't know, Shad,' I said. "'The other boys are going on foot, I guess. Is Robbie Hood's launch down below?' "'Yes, it's the only boat that was saved. Lucky for us that we went home right after the meeting. Robbie and I went to Watertown in it last night. If we had left it, I guess it would have gone with the rest.' I did not want to butt in while the boys were making plans for scouting, but it seemed to me, Hawkins, that this is a plain case for the sheriff. Stealing boats? It's a crime for a fellow to do that. The sheriff has to get things back when they're stolen, and it's his job to get the thief. Ain't I right? Then why should we be scouting around? Of course you're right, Shadow. I broke in. But for heaven's sake, think. What would old Judge Granberry do if he thought we were stirring up trouble for the sheriff? Excuse me, fellow, said Herb, stepping up. I'm awful sorry this all happened. I kind of feel like I'm to blame for all this trouble. What can you tell us, Herb? I asked. Why don't you tell us what the trouble is between you and those fellows who came to our clubhouse looking for you? We might help you, Herb. Herb didn't say anything. He shoved his hands into his pockets and stood tapping the floor with the toe of his right boot. You've got to, Herb, spoke up Shadow. You owe it to us. You know these guys who came here for you. What do they want? Where are they hanging out? If you tell us that, we can get our boats back. Herb nodded. Yes, he said, I see. I owe it to you fellas. But don't think I'm begging for help. I ain't. I'm not afraid of Pooley, and I ain't afraid of all the fellas he's got around him now. Who's Pooley, I asked. He's a Watertown fella, answered Herb. Him and me had a lot of scraps up there before I moved down here. He's fair fighter, though, Hawkins. And that's one reason why I ain't going to say nothing against Pooley. He's a fair fighter, but, oh boy, when he fights, you got to watch your step. He's a smart one, Hawkins. I bet that you never saw one like him before. I smiled. We saw Stoner's boy, I said, and nobody ever laid hands on him either, Herb. Wait till you meet Pooley, said Herb. Haven't we met him, I asked. Wasn't Pooley one of those two boys who came here for you the other night? Herb shook his head. I never saw those two before, he said. 
seems like they knowed me being come to take a look if i was here or not but durn if i ever saw em hawkins they were strangers to me are you sure they are pooley's pals i asked nobody else would send em to find where i was answered herb they're pooley's pals all right what's the idea of their square caps and costume asked shadow loomis it's new to me says herb pooley's never dyked out in costume like that i never saw it before on a fellow looks like clue clucks to me and dern if i don't think it's silly do you know where they hang out i asked i mean where would pooley meet his pals on the watertown dock says herb there's an old corner we used to call it the log wharf come on i said that's where we will go i don't know of any better place to begin to search for our lost boats than the old corner log wharf i'm with you fellow shad we'll make this a scout party of three let's lose no time just as we reached the river bank however perry stokes came toward us jerry moore told me he wouldn't need me sir he said to me i was his scout partner sir which way did he go perry i asked down toward the island sir he answered went in robbie hood's launch with our captain and robbie ah i said that lets us out fellas they've beaten us to the launch we might as well go back not so as you could notice it says shadow here comes our boat right now from across the river a pelham boat was setting out at first i thought that it was starting upstream but when i saw what they were about i knew that they wanted to get a certain distance up so that when crossing the current would not carry them down further than our landing when the pelham boat landed i recognized the occupants they were brigand the pelham leader and ham gardner dave burns and lanigan we got to talk to you hawkins called brigand as the flatboat came close wait a minute he sprang upon our landing i walked down to meet him what's the matter i asked there's been a bad bunch of fellows up here again hawkins said brigand and they jumped us we was coming down from your town and we come down here to get in our boats to go across to our own side when they jumped us i thought we'd better come and warn you you better look out oh i don't know i said we don't have to watch out for fellows who jump you brigands brigands chuckled no he said but i reckon they took us for you fellows they made a mistake i figure seems like they thought we was secretary hawkins fellows cause we was coming down your path here ain't that interesting to you maybe i said and funny thing said brigand was the way they was dressed honest to goodness i never seen such foolery hawkins you think the red runners was strange wait till you see these guys they beat up old ham gardner poor old ham seems like he always gets the worst of everything and he didn't do nothing to nobody then they must have realized they was wrong cause they let us go across then i'm sorry you got hurt ham i said walking over to gardner look at his pretty black and blue eye honest i've seen ham with so many black eyes he doesn't look natural to me without one every time trouble comes to pelham seems like ham gardner is the goat but he always liked to have me talk nice to him and he smiled and said don't make no difference hawkins so long as you can get the ones as did it we better get em i said or we won't have peace on this old river any more your side or ours we got a new gang down on this brigand and we got to get em well what do we have to do asked the pelham leader nothing i said you fellas lay low don't put your foot in less than you have to we're on our way now to track em down 
They stole all our canoes and skiffs, every last boat. We ain't got a single thing to ride the water now. Pshaw, exclaimed Brigand. What are you going to do? You must lend us a flatboat, Brigands, I said. It's as much in your interest as ours. Take your fellows back to your side, and then send over an extra flatboat for us to use. We will guarantee to send it back safe, and if we don't, we will pay you for what it's worth. Tain't worth much, said Brigand. We make them all ourselves. We will lend you one, all right. So within ten minutes, Brigand himself came back, towing an extra flatboat with four roughly made oars. I told Perry to go in the clubhouse and stay till I came back. We set out at once, Shadow, Herb, and I, and upstream that darn flatboat was a hard thing to manage. Maybe you don't believe it, but try it once after you are used to canoe and skiff, and see if flatboats ain't the hardest thing to make go upstream. However, we got up to Watertown at last. We found the corner log wharf, but a look inside showed us that nobody had been inside that place for a long, long time. Wherever Pooley was, he hadn't been here for a long time. That's all I know, said Herb. They've changed their address, I guess. So back we will go, said I. Come on, it won't be so hard rowing the flatboat downstream. We had a fine trip on the river anyhow, even if we didn't do any good. The sunshine was so good to feel and the water looked so inviting. Some automobile parties had put up tents along the bank, and some were fishing. Then we came down past the point where old Louisiana Lou used to land there, said Shadow Loomis, where they used to load the horses. Hold her, I called to Herb. Let's stop and land here a while, fellas. I want to roam around a little. They were just as anxious to stop as I was, so we landed on the Pelham side. We tramped slowly through the thick growth. What a wild place it was. On either side of us ran the sloping sides of the old creek bed. It wound through the hills like a snake. I smiled as I got the suggestion of snow on the mountain. That old song, this gully brought it to my mind because I knew it was the snow melting in the hills beyond that made this little creek. When the snow melts, or when it rains hard, the water must come down and it wears a little rill in the hills which eventually gets deeper and wider until there is a stream. But this old creek was dry most of the time. Look yonder, said Herb. Somebody's camping over there. Most likely picnics were held here, said Shadow. Looks like they had a good time. There was a wide open space below us, which was strewn with paper and trash and things that you see the day after a picnic. In the middle of the space stood a table, a wooden table with four legs, just like my mother has in her kitchen. We stood there on the left ridge and looked through the bushes at it for a while. What a dandy place it would be to build a shack, said Shadow, or to put up a tent and sleep out on the hot summer nights, I said. Let's go down and take a look around, Shad. Sure, said Shadow. We ought to find a couple of places like this, Hawkins, and then we can move our camp. It's better than staying in one place all summer. A week on the island, say, and then a week here, and the next week some other place that we will find. "'What you say, Herb?' I asked. Herb was standing with his hands in his pockets, taking it all in and listening to our talk. Herb walked slowly over to the table. With his hands in his pockets, he stood for a few moments, gazing at the thing. Then he raised his eyes and nodded. "'Come here,' he sang out. We walked over and stood beside him. "'Look at that,' he said simply. He pointed to the tabletop. On all four corners, a large K was painted in green paint, in the middle, a great letter P was enclosed in a circle of white paint. 
It can't be, said Herb. We might as well give up this idea, fellas. This place is already taken. By whom, demanded Shadow. Pooley, answered Herb. Pooley and his gang meet here. I'm as sure of it as I am of my name. What makes you so sure, I asked. The initial with a ring around it, said Herb, pointing to the letter P in a circle. That's his mark. But the K on the corners, that's new to me. He's got a new gang, I can tell that, but we'd better wait till we find out what it means. It means night, broke in a new voice from above, behind us. The three of us turned like a flash. There on the top of the ridge, looking down into this little bowl of a place, stood a smiling boy with a gnarled stick in his hands. He wore a khaki suit with puttees on his legs and a neat gray golf cap on his well-shaped head. He reminded me of Simon Bleeker, the first look I got of him. Pooley, exclaimed Herb. That's me, old-timer, said Pooley, without moving. But the smile remained on his face. You're a hard one to find, Acom. Here I've been sending out my scouts for you for weeks. Now you come to my headquarters of your own free will. Well, it's pity that your friends are with you and that I am alone. Else we could settle it, couldn't we, Herbert? I'm ready when you are, said Herb, quietly. And my friends won't butt in. You want to fight, come down and roll up your sleeves. He had stepped forward and was pulling off his coat, but Pulley held up his hand. Not so fast, he said, not so fast, Herb. Yours were so impatient. No, we will wait until another time. I'll bid you good-bye now, but don't ever come around here again. You might not find the place deserted, and you wouldn't stand much chance if you fell into the hands of the knights of the square table. That's all I have to say now. And with that he was gone, back into the bushes on the lip of the bowl. Herb started up the slope after him, but I yanked him back. Come back here, I said. Come back here, Herb, and get your senses back. There won't be any scrapping with Pooley while I'm around. I'm against that sort of thing, you know. He's a smart talker, said Herb, turning around to pick up his coat. He knows what to say to get my blood boiling. Dern if I wouldn't have given him a whipping if he'd have come down. Maybe so, said Shadow Loomis, with a grin, but believe me, Herb, you'd have had your hands full doing it. Maybe I miss my guess, but Pooley is a tough customer. Well, we'd better get out of this place. It's private, I suppose, the meeting place of the Knights of the Square Table. Quite a nice name for a gang, eh, Hawkins? I smiled. Knights of the Square Table, I repeated. Well, let's see if they ain't Knights of the Square Head, rather. End of chapter 3